Well, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Has there ever a time somebody called you, and you haven't heard from them in a long time, and you recognize the voice, but you're not quite sure who it is that's uh, on the phone, and you try to extend the conversation, so you can kind of get more words out of them, until you figure out who it is that's calling you? It's happened. Anybody, somebody ever wrote you something, on a piece of paper, and you're again, it's... It looks familiar, but you're not sure exactly who it is. It looks like somebody, but it's not really this. There's some things in our life that aren't clear, and we need some clarity. Or example, like a crime scene. Crime scene, maybe the people who are involved in the crime aren't there. The investigators want to come in and try to figure out who it was that committed this particular crime. Um, so what do they do? They begin to gather evidence. And among these, you know, among the evidence that they gather, there are things that clue them in and to who did it. But one of the things that clearly tells them, you know, it gives them a good direction are like fingerprints, right? Fingerprints. Today in the gospel when the Lord was tempted on the mountain, he knew exactly where the temptation was coming from because he's God. He knows if everything good is from him. Anything outside of him is from the evil one. So the temptations that he faced in the 40 days and what we read today, these last three, were just the culmination of being tempted for 40 days. But with the Lord, he knew exactly you know, who was the source of this temptation. The same is not for us. Sometimes we are misled and sometimes we are not sure is this, you know, really from Satan or not. So today I'm going to speak about um, the fingerprints of Satan. When we see these, we can likely know that this thing is likely from the enemy, likely from Satan. What's the value of this? Is because if I know that this is something from the enemy, then I'll be more cautious. It's just like when somebody comes and knocks on your door at night and you see the camera that this is a friend or somebody you know, you open the door with no problem. But if it's somebody who's a stranger, you act with caution. You don't open the door. You might talk through the camera or something like this, but you don't open the door. You act with caution. So I think if we know that these are some of the fingerprints of Satan, this could help us in our spiritual battle and help us in our life. Um, the first you know, a fingerprint of Satan is his assault on the truth. His assault on the truth. And this happens in three ways. He'll discredit the truth, he will um, dilute the truth, or he will deny the truth. The first one is discredit the truth. Here this is just the challenge of the credibility of the truth. If you remember um, in the beginning, uh, when humanity fell, when Eve was tempted, Satan came to her and says, Has God indeed said to you, You shall not eat? of every tree in the garden. So he wanted to discredit God's word to her and his commandment to her that if you eat this, you will surely die. Um, so he wanted to discredit the truth. And you'll find this now. You know, many people and their criticisms of Christianity, they want to try to discredit the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and discredit scripture because this is what, and discredit the church because these are the three in which the church is founded upon. So they try to discredit them in any way, and they have even like, you know, divisions of study just dedicated to biblical criticism and trying to discredit the truth of Christ and the church and the Bible. Also, he tries to dilute the truth. Tries to dilute the truth. What do I mean here? Just providing an alternative. You know, if you have two, you know, um, things and you want to mix them or dilute them, you add the concentrate and then you add water on top of it to make it, and you come up to the 
you know, level that you want. So just providing some alternative or multiple alternatives will help dilute the truth. The Bible teaches us that truth comes from God. So now the world is going to try to tell us what, or Satan will try to tell us, you know, you can find your truth in something else. You can try to find your truth in science. You can try to find your truth in technology and the coming of AI and all this because it's so smart and gathers a lot of things and this, whatever it comes out with, must be the truth. But remember, this stuff, this AI stuff that's coming out, what's put in is put in by man. The, ga- the data that's gathering is from man. I remember I was, uh, uh, I was speaking with uh, one of, another priest and uh, if any of you have heard of the chat GPT, which is like this new AI, you know, search engine, uh, and it can, it's very clever actually, but he tried to have a discussion with it about like homosexuality, and then it, at the end he tried to provide it, because it's supposed to be learning, right? He tried to provide it with information and data supporting how this is wrong and against nature and so on, and it replied to him, like basically saying that, you know, you're not open-minded and so on. So it's not simple as it seems, right? There's a message behind it. I don't want to spend any time on that. That's the side point. Um, so he tries to dilute the truth, uh, provide many alter- alternatives. Even he'll say that not only science and tech, but you can be your own source of truth, right? Everything, just dilute many sources of truth so that actually the real truth is not known or not easily known. Satan did this with the Lord himself today. He said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. He's quoting here from Psalm 91. Satan is quoting from Psalm 91. But what he's doing here, he's providing the Lord with an alternative interpretation of the psalm. But in his quote, he's missing, he leaves out part of the psalm, which says, to keep you in all your ways. So it should read, um, um, he shall give his angels charge over you, to keep you in all your ways, lest you dash your foot against. So he left out to keep you in all your ways. Meaning what? To keep you safe in your way and your path, you know, uh, towards heaven and in righteousness. So he leaves it off. And he gives another alternative of this scripture to mean that it'll keep you in whatever you do, even if, you know, you throw yourself from the temple. You see here, this fingerprint is to dilute the word of God, to dilute the interpretation. And this is one of the maybe the biggest any uh, um, problems, I guess, that the church faced was after the Reformation is that anybody is free to interpret scripture as they want. So the understanding of Scripture is no longer reserved in the church, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. But it says anybody else says. If you don't like it, start your own church. right? So then you have this delusion of churches. So if somebody's a true seeker of God, oh, which one, which one is it? One of 35,000, one of 60,000 you know, churches? Again, the delusion of the truth is the key sign of Satan's fingerprint. Um, also, the uh, the delusion of gender, the gender binary, right? The gender is either male or female. There's only possibilities. But now they want to dilute this and say you have between the two, you have a whole spectrum. And they make words and invent words to make it very complicated. And we feel like we're not in the know because we don't understand all of this. You don't need to understand all of this nonsense because there's only two, right? Again, if I can dilute it, then people will begin to not be able to locate the truth. Am I male or am I female? Am I somewhere in between? 
This is the fingerprint of Satan. The last is to deny the truth. To deny the truth. And this is exactly what the uh, Jews did at the time of the resurrection. Right? They buried him and they had the Roman guards who were excellent in what they did guard the tomb. And when the body of the Lord wasn't there, what did they do? They said somebody stole it. They denied the resurrection completely. Right? And if you repeat a lie so much, some people will begin to believe the lie. So this is all we did. We just keep repeating the lie and hopefully it sticks. The lie sticks with some people. Right? So the first thing that the fingerprint of Satan is the assault on the truth. The second fingerprint is the propagation of misery. The propagation of misery. It's You know, if somebody's the loser, then I'm going to make the people around me lose. Right? This is the fingerprint of Satan. Right? If I'm condemned to hell outside of God's presence, Satan, then I want to bring everyone around me down as well. This is the idea and the fingerprint of the work of the enemy. He wants to bring the children of God with him. This is why St. Peter warns us and he says, Be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, uh, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He fell, so he wants all of us you know, to fall with him. He and his agents do not tolerate those who enjoy peace and joy in the Lord. They want to corrupt them. right? They want to make them miserable just as they are, from misery to misery. Right, And if we see this, we need to be cautious that this is something of the enemy. You know, if you have a group of people who are doing something, maybe a bad behavior, smoking, doing alcohol, doing drugs or whatever it is, or saying bad jokes or saying bad words, and you're in the group, you'll find that they're going to target you, the only one maybe who isn't participating. Right? Why? Because they want misery to misery. The misery we're feeling, we're going to call it as being cool and fun. But at the end of it, they all know and we all know, the end of this is misery. So I want the people around me also to be miserable. This is the fingerprint of Satan. Another fingerprint of Satan is hatred. Hatred. Satan desires to sow hatred in the hearts of all of us towards God and towards one another. You find an opportunity when God doesn't answer your prayer to put in you the seeds of hatred towards God because he didn't give you what you wanted. As if God is some genie up there in heaven and he's supposed to do just whatever we want to. right? And then you'll sow hatred for you uh, between you and your brethren. Um, and those many people nowadays, they encourage this type of hatred and aggression and violence. And if you disagree with them, they call you racist. And this, uses, this word is now abused and people forgot what it really means. Right? They just, anybody that doesn't agree with them or support what they cause, they call them racist. You know, so again, this is the fingerprint of Satan to sow hatred and division among the people. This is why the Lord said, the world hates you. Uh, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Those of the world hate him, but those of heaven love him and the brethren. Also, um, and uh, the Lord said in Matthew 5, He says, You have heard it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitely use you and persecute you. For you are the sons of your Father in heaven. So this is what the Lord teaches us, you know, in regard to our brethren. Not to hate them, not to sow hatred among each other. 
You know, we have to think about it. If I hear something negative about someone, and I'm going to say, you know what, this person is my friend. I'm going to go tell them what this person said bad about them. But you have to stop and ask yourself, what is this going to do to my friend? Is this going to help him to know or her know that so-and-so talked bad about them? Or would it only fill them with anger and resentment and a sense of wanting to have, you know, get back at them? If this is the result of it, then don't say it. But if sharing this can help and reconcile and bring them back together, then we can share it. But oftentimes we say this and repeat this only for the purpose of seeing the person get angry and hate that other person because Yim Kinana, I don't like them either. Right? Hatred is the fingerprint of Satan. The uh, third, uh, the fourth one is, um, <clears throat> is bondage and slavery. The Lord came to set us free as he says, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So the enemy works to keep us in this loop of uh, slavery, to enslave us. And if you find with most temptations, you'll find a cycle. The cycle is first the promise of pleasure. And in this promise of pleasure, uh, this is kind of what connects the loop again. So you have the promise of pleasure, and then you experience the pleasure, and then you're filled with, you know, grief and, uh, and, and hurt, emotional, physical, dependence, guilt, uh, all of the hardships that come with shame and fear, all the hard, the hardships that come with sin, and then it comes back, uh, and there's some addictive property to the sin, so it comes back again, and you do it again, and then you feel the misery again, and then you have this addictive property, and you go again. So you get in this consistent loop, of addiction of sin and this we call is his enslavement when I'm in this sin and I feel like I know it's hurting me and I and I can't get out or I don't want to get out because there's that moment of pleasure but then there's the moment of grief and misery afterwards the Lord has come to set us free but the work of the enemy is to keep us in that loop of addiction and misery how do you feel when you look and spend hours on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok how do you feel about yourself after you've viewed a lot of this stuff? A lot of the times we don't feel good about ourselves. We feel like we're missing. We feel like you're not seen. There's something missing in our life. I'm not as exciting as this person. It's usually not something I don't feel good about myself. I enjoy being entertained by watching the nonsense that's on there. But then at the end I feel worse than when I did before I started. But then I'm addicted and I keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. This is the fingerprint of Satan to get us enslaved in this cycle of sin. But look what St. Paul says. Those whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who uh, do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So the Satan wants the image of God to be blinded before us. He wants us to remain in slavery. But we have to remember, with Christ there is freedom. This is why we say over and over again, in church we turn off our phones. While we're praying at home, we turn off our phones. During dinner time, there's no phone. During the sermon, no one should be on their phone texting each other. Right? All of these things. Why? Because if I don't let go, then I won't ever know how to get out of this loop, this bondage, this slavery that Satan wants to ensnare us in. And we can simply look at the life of Samson. 
the life of Samson, right? He would tell Delilah his weakness, she would tell his enemies. Habibi, why are you doing this? There's cycle, right? There's uh, some pleasure, then there's the misery, and then his enemies come, but then again, there's the addiction and the desire for the pleasure again, and in this loop, until finally, he told the truth, and he paid the price, right? And we know the end of the story. Satan desires to keep us in bondage and slavery. The next fingerprint of Satan is that he preys on the vulnerable. He preys on the vulnerable, particularly children, widows, and orphans. And among the most of them, of course, are the children. This is why you'll find Satan oftentimes tries to target the children. If you look in scripture, for example, and why the children in particular? Because if I can target the children and corrupt the children, the next generation is guaranteed to be what? To be corrupt. And with each generation, it will get worse and worse. You know? But this is not something new that's happening now. This is not something new. If you look in scripture, you'll find a couple of examples, um, where Satan, you know, targets the children. If you remember, when Pharaoh saw the Hebrew people getting more, what did he command the people to do, his soldiers? He told them to kill the firstborn of the children of the Hebrews, the males. To kill them, right? So why would you kill an innocent child? Because they're going to be the people and they're getting too high a number and I want to control the population. So I kill the children to get them to be subject to me. Right? This is the fingerprint of Satan. Is after the children. Also, if you remember, uh, at the time of Christ, what, what did Herod do? King Herod do? He was threatened by a newborn baby. So he sent out the, uh, a very harsh decree to kill the children from two years and under in Bethlehem because he was scared that a child was going to threaten his throne. By the child, this, by the time this child grows up to be of age to be a king, Herod would be dead, right? But he was threatened by this. So he went after the blood of children, right? This is the fingerprint of who? Fingerprint of Satan. Also the Canaanites. When God judged the Canaanites and had Israel come into the land of Canaan and killed all the women and children, all of this, this was the judgment of them. Listen to what the Canaanites used to do. I'll read you a few verses. In Deuteronomy 18, verse 9, he says, When you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominations of those nations. So what do these nations do? There shall be, there shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire or one who practices pass through the fire is to be burned. Offer them as a sacrifice. So the pagans would offer their children, they would heat up the idol, you know, uh, so hot, and then they would put their children and burn them alive on the, on the, on the idol as a sacrifice to this, to this God. And they did it over and over again. And God saw this. The burning and the, um, the going after the children. And then even King Ahaz, who is a, a, a king of Judah, he did the same. And First Kings 16, he says, But he, who was king, of, uh, king Ahaz, walked in the way of the kings of Israel. Indeed, he made his sons pass through the fire, according to the abominations of the nations. And this is why, again, these people fell into captivity, uh, the people of Israel, because they started to adopt these customs in which they went after the children, or at least they discarded their um, role to protect the children. Uh, they even sacrificed, the, and, and Psalm 106 says, they even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons and shed innocent blood. 
the blood of their sons and daughters whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. And this blood finally reached to heaven, and God judged them and had them killed by the people of Israel. Now now in this day and age, we have many different um, uh, activists going against our children. One of them, of course, is the abortion movement, and they claim that this is for women's rights. So what about the right of this child, right? But we're going after the children. This is the fingerprint of who? The fingerprint of Satan. Making now kids' movies and programs that star with sexual, uh, homosexual characters. Again, going after the corruption of our children. And if you think about it, um, and also the mutilation of minors. There now there's some push, like uh, people who are claimed to be or confused about their gender and not sure who they are. They encourage them and push them down like the uh, the the pipeline of getting this kind of like uh, these their bodies mutilated to form into the gender they they think they are, right? Rather than tell them, no, Habibi, this is how you know who you are, and we learn to you know um, live in this person who God created you to be. No, they said, as your mind is, we'll try to change your body. But this is foolishness. This is foolishness because we can't change the biology. It is what it is. I mean, we change how it looks. But inside the biology is the biology. I can't change it. All right? If he can get, if Satan can get parents to be unfaithful in, uh, in protecting their children, uh, then it's an easy fight for him. And then parents, uh, and he, will take the back seat to him, to Satan. So we need to be very vigilant, my beloved. Leaving your children nowadays to be on the phone, unsupervised, is leading them down a wrong way. You're not being faithful to your children if you just allow them to scroll online and to be influenced by the nonsense that's out there. There is an enemy at work and his desire is for our children. So we need to be very, very vigilant. Um, the next fingerprint is the worship of the self. Uh, I'll do the, for the sake of time, we'll do them quickly. The worship of the self. The, to do what pleases you is the motto of these days. You are your own arbitrator of truth. The most important thing in your life is your own freedom and your pursuit of pleasure. And this is exactly how Satan fell when he didn't want to worship uh, God. It says... Um, that uh, in, in Isaiah it says, For you have said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the furthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High God. This is what led to Satan's fall. Is that he wanted to ascend above God. He wanted to be a God. And the same thing with uh, with with man. And this is our struggle now. When Satan tempted Eve and she fell, he says, and when you eat of it, you'll know you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. You'll be what? Like God. I want to be a God. And again, this is the promotion and exaltation of the self. Do what pleases you. Do what pleases you, and that's above all else. But Christ teaches us to worship Him and seek Him. We heard in the beginning of the fast, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. But seek first the kingdom of God. Then we hear Saint uh, we hear Saint Paul say, "Let nothing be done through selfish ambition and conceit, but in lowliness of mind let let each esteem others better than himself." So now look out for your brethren, right? Not to take advantage of your brethren to promote yourself and the ego, 
but to look out for them. And let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Think of a world where everyone only looks out for themselves. Everybody in your life is selfish and only looking out for your word. If you can just imagine what this is, if we've got it, this is hell. This is hell. You, you end up being alone. You can't trust anybody if everybody is selfish. So you have to be cautious. This is the fingerprint of Satan. The last is the exaltation of death and destruction. Um, whether it's physically, whether it's in the promotion of suicide or the promotion of euthanasia, which is, you know, if somebody wants to die, we should uh, be able to kill them. Uh, of course, no one has the right to take anyone's life, even if that person desires to die. God gave the life, and he's the only one that can take it and choose when this person leaves this world. Now, nowadays, there are songs that promote promote suicide ideologies, and some TV programs that pro, pro, that promote suicide ideologies as if it's a way out of your problems. But actually, what it does, it takes a minor problem and exaggerates into a detrimental problem. That's what they're trying to sell. Again, right? These are the fingerprints of Satan. Also, the promotion uh, of death spiritually, whether it's by mocking Christianity and the way of life, promoting atheism. And this is the sadness. And this is what the Lord said. He said in John 3, And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. Men loved darkness rather than light. This is the working of the enemy, to get us to love darkness over light. So what can we do? Real quick, three things. Okay? And this is something I won't speak any, I won't speak about it. I'll just mention them and we can meditate on them and think about them ourselves. Number one is to expose the way of darkness. If there's darkness in the school with your child, you expose it. Right? Number two is to promote and support the truth. Okay? Speak about your freedom in Christ. Speak about what it truly means to be free. Our value comes from God. Our purpose and meaning come from Him. Our source of joy comes from Him and our hope of an eternal life and the life after death with Him and what it will look like in this life after death. And lastly, number three, is to prepare for battle. There's a war that's going on. If we sit back and do nothing, we and our children and the next generation will face uh, grave danger. May God grant us to recognize the fingerprints of Satan. And as Christ defeated him today, give us his same victory. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.